Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. And it is nice to be able to return to share with you today. Uh, my name is Jesse Caulfield, uh, and I am. I had a laugh with Mark about what my title is. I said, General Dog's Body, who kind of coordinates stuff around Queensland, doesn't quite sound accurate. Um, so, coordinator, state manager, whatever you want to call me, the guy uh, for Queensland for Voice of the Martyrs Australia. So, this morning, I'm going to very quickly just talk about who Voice of the Martyrs is, where we've come from, and I'm going to then share from you, with you from Hebrews chapter 13, just a few key verses there that I would like to unpack uh, as part of my sharing this morning. Um, just may I briefly bow in prayer. Lord, as, as we come around your word and as we come to this time of, of feasting on your word, open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds, God, that we may hear, that we may see, that we may know that Jesus is the Christ, and that in this world he continues to reign in and in spite of the midst of suffering. And so Lord, we pray today, as your people who are gathered and as your people who are gathering online, speak to us now in this time we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So who is Voice of the Martyrs? Uh, I'm pretty sure that in every church I go to and I say, has anyone heard of a guy called Richard Wormbrand? Inevitably, a few hands and a few heads, and it all starts to, oh, yes, that's them. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Voice of the Martyrs exists. If you put up your hand and have five fingers on it, I can tick them off really quickly. The first one is to see the gospel shared in contexts where Christians are being persecuted. To see the gospel shared in contexts where Christians are being persecuted. The second is simply this, to support the families of those who are imprisoned or martyred because of their faith in Christ. The third is this, to provide medical support, practical medical support, for those who would not have it, and this might even look like reconstructive surgery or whatnot, uh, in those spaces where people have been persecuted, helping believers rebuild their lives after persecution has ceased. The fourth thing is the equipping of the saints for service. That's my version of it. But that is essentially a ministry that is involved in training and discipleship in those contexts. And the fifth one is people like me, telling the stories of those who are persecuted, being a voice for the voiceless, saying we will remember them, we will hear their testimonies, we will speak for them in places such as this and places around the world. We're going to briefly see a short video that's going to talk about our history, and then I'm going to crack into God's Word this morning. Jesus Christ didn't avoid the suffering. He didn't avoid the persecution. Though he ushered in the very kingdom of God, he was persecuted and executed for it. In this world we will face tribulation, but you promise you'll be right here with us. And he said to his followers, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And to this day, all over the world, they still do. Jesus promised more, that those who suffer for his name's sake would not be forgotten, not by God, and not by the family of God. 
Voice of the Martyrs was founded by a persecuted Christian as well. Richard Wormbrand reached out for Christ to the Nazis in the early 1940s when they came into his native Romania. He felt a calling to reach out to atheists for Christ. He prayed for opportunities to share Christ with the Russians as well. And when the Soviet communists entered into Romania in 1944, they came right to his doorstep. Richard boldly witnessed to them as well. And just as Jesus promised, they hated him for it. He was arrested and sent to prison for a total of 14 years, often in solitary confinement, often tortured. Through it all, he held on to his love for God and committed to witness for Christ in word and deed even to his torturers. In 1967, Richard, now free from jail and out of Romania, founded an organization committed to sharing the stories of others who, like him, were being jailed, persecuted, tortured, or killed for their faith. He often quoted Hebrews 13.3, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. That organization today is operating in 68 countries around the world, in regions that are dangerous, in countries that are restricted, reaching out through persecution response, through Bible distribution, and through frontline ministry. That organization is committed to stand with their persecuted family by saying, we will not let them suffer in silence. We will not let them serve alone. From the love of Jesus, if our God is for us, That organization, Voice of the Martyrs. We will share their stories with the world. We will mobilize the body of Christ to stand together with brothers and sisters who face persecution wherever it happens. We will serve persecuted Christians through practical and spiritual assistance. And we will carry on the mission of the one who called us, Jesus Christ, who said the kingdom of God is at hand. Richard Wormbrand, how's this for a job description, Pastor Mark? Your country is invaded, the dictators take over, and determine that from this day forward, the teachings of Karl Marx, that there is no God and that religion is the opiate of the masses, is now law. A pastor of a church, he stood up and said, no, this is not true. Jesus is the Christ. To say there is no God is simply untrue. And he spent 14 years in prison being tortured. He was made to stand in a box called a castle with nails in all sides for days on end and other things which I won't speak about in this church today. But God preserved him and through him, his torturers, many of them, came to faith because of his witness and continued prayers in their face. He said this, did I believe in God? Now the test had come. I was alone. There was no salary or stipend to earn. 
no golden opinions of my preaching to consider. God offered me only suffering. Would I continue to love him? Our key verse that Voice of the Martyrs bases its ministry on, and the key verse that I am going to be looking for at the scriptures this morning, is this from chapter 13 of Hebrews. And I invite you, if you want to, to turn to your Bibles now. Hebrews 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. And we're going to just take a little look at at that passage. And I believe there are a few things there that might surprise us. So I'm just going to read verses... Sorry, I didn't have the scripture in my slide. I'm just going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And if we look at this passage, our our big idea is fairly self-evident, that we are to actively remember those who are being persecuted for their faith. They are still vital members of the body of Christ. And of course, we can see Voice of the Martyrs' mission statement that we will provide practical and spiritual assistance, just as we saw on the video, and leading Christians in the free world into fellowship with persecuted believers. But before I arrive at that, I just want to walk through this thought as to how we get there. And if we think of this first verse, let brotherly love remain. It is part of the ethical application of our salvation, isn't it? That we are to love one another. And of course, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? It really doesn't sound that difficult, unless you're standing in front of me in the coffee queue after service, in which case then the brotherly love might become brotherly jostling. But when we think about that, and all the things that Paul writes about love, love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering, and I think to myself, but I don't want that. I I don't want to be patient. I don't want to have to suffer for a long time. I want my outcome and I want it now. That's, That's our basic nature, isn't it? And so for brotherly love to continue, that means as we are rooted in the vine, as Jesus talks about in John 15, and we remain in him, so we remain in his love. And it's God's love that is at work in us. We love because God first loved us. Remember, God is love. So it says in 1 John. And so I would say, well, if we are to be truly serious about our discipleship and about loving one another, then surely that is an outworking of love for God first and foremostly. And his love poured out into our hearts that's then powerfully at work in us, empowering us to love those whom perhaps we considered other and now call them our brother. And so to verse 2, to show hospitality. This might seem a bit of a strange remark. And often I think of this verse and I think of if I'm going to a small country church perhaps out in the Lockyer Valley and I might want to preach on this for a while longer hoping for a better lunch. doesn't quite work that way. I'm pretty assured of a good lunch anyway. But I come back to this teaching and I think of the sheep and the goats. When Jesus is talking about the great final scene of judgment, the sheep and the goats, yeah? We all know the passage. We all know the verse. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was a prisoner, I was sick, and you visited me. And here we see an almost echo, a parallel of of those direct teachings from, from Christ 
being now given as ethical application, or how we now do this thing called following Jesus in these couple of verses. And of course, a lot of people go, oh, sure, hospitality. It sounds so much more nicer. It's a positive statement, isn't it? Rather than remember the alien, remember the orphan, remember the widow, remember those who are on your doorstep who are vulnerable and are possibly going to be neglected. You could equally say, do justice. You, you could equally say, this is what God requires of you, O oh man, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly of your God. This is in a positive sense. And you think about well, whom would it be that the early church might be showing hospitality to? Would it not be people who've lost everything for the sake of the gospel? Whether there be people like Paul, itinerant evangelists and church planners and pastors? Would it not be those who are strangers and orphans because of the gospel? Or those who potentially are in prison because of the gospel? And so suddenly this application of loving one another, showing hospitality, then flows into this next verse that we are to remember those who are in prison. Now, I'm not going to do very well with my Greek. It's been far too many years. But I'm simply going to say this. The voice that this verb minsko appears in is a middle voice, and it means um, a reflexive action, often meaning personal involvement. So I might say to myself, yes, I must remember to literally get milk on the way home as the milk was off this morning when I went to make my coffee, and I haven't had my coffee. I'm sorry. But if I just simply assent to it, that doesn't actually get the milk on the way home, does it? It actually means I have to personally be involved. I have to actively do something in the process of remembering. As a married man of a few years, I can say that I have to actively remember things like my wife's birthday and our wedding anniversary. You'll only ever forget those things once if you're, if you've, if you're a married man here. I jest. But it's not just about recall, is it? It's about doing something, buying flowers, buying chocolates, buying a card, buying something, making an effort. I also think of the words of Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. We participate in the elements when we remember Jesus. We are personally involved. As Paul says, every time we take the bread and the wine, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are called to remember, that is, mean to be actively involved with those who are in prison. Indeed, the Desmian, as if we are chained to them. Now, when I started this role, I had been in prison ministry here in Queensland for some 15 years. And I said to uh, the, the national director, I said, look, I'm very familiar with working with those who are in prison. I'm very familiar with their plight. I'm very familiar with those who are suffering. I get this. And he leaned back in his chair and he says, no, you don't know about those who are being persecuted. Because when we think about those who are in prison, we think, well, they're the bad people. We build prisons where? In our backyard? No, not in my backyard. We want them out of sight, out of mind, out the back of the Lock Your Up Valley, as the guys call it. 4,000 bed correctional center, 120 k's from the nearest major capital city. And so we might say, well, when it comes to remembering those in prison, we don't really want to remember it. But yet here we read, we are to remember those in prison as if we ourselves are there with them. And there's a word for that, empathy. We are to be empathetic 
with their cause. We are to be empathetic with their situation. We are to be empathetic with their plight. We are to personally involve ourselves in their situation as if we were right there with them. Do we dare say that of the 30,000, 60,000, some say 100,000 prisoners in North Korea? Those who are constantly in and out of jail in places like China for something as simple as selling a Bible, sharing the gospel. We have to experience what they experience each step of the way. And we read about those who are mistreated. And it says that we are part of the one body. Now, the word for body here is used soma. If the, if the word flesh for fleshly body wanted to be used, they could have used the word sarks. But no, soma meaning we are of the one body. And I think you have the one spiritual body of Christ, the one family that we are all partakers of. And of course, there have been so many far better examples than I can give about what it means to be part of the body. And Richard Wormbrand, he says it quite well. When I was beaten on the bottom of my feet, my tongue cried out. Why would my tongue cry out? It was not beaten. It cried out because the tongue and the feet are part of the same body. We free Christians are part of the same body of Christ that are now denied freedoms, being beaten, tortured, and even martyred in restricted countries. Will you hear our message? Remember us, help us, do not abandon us. Yes, it's amazing that even the smallest pinprick on the tip of your finger and the whole body knows about it. And so today, Voice of the Martyrs are urging you and crying out on their behalf to remember those who are being persecuted in prayer and in practical ways. Remember those who are in prison because of their faith for saying nothing more that I believe in Jesus Christ. So a little bit about how we do that. Voice of the Martyrs works in 68 countries around the world. And as you see there, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the, the 1040 window, in places that are hostile. Now, when we talk about persecution, we're talking about things, and it's really a spectrum. Antagonism, vilification, lack of employment opportunities, lack of access to resources like food, shelter, water, harassment, violence, imprisonment, even martyrdom. And there are people around the world, according to Pew Research and uh, other sources there that have been verified, up to 400 million Christians are living in areas where they are at risk today. On any given day, I'm not saying today, but on any given day, the numbers work like this. 13 Christians will die for their faith. 12 Christians will be unjustly arrested, detained, or imprisoned. Five Christians will be kidnapped. And we've seen a continual rise in persecution year on year for the last 15 years. Indeed, persecution today is at its highest level in modern history. So as I said from the outset, there are five things that we do. And each of those are tied to a fund. Uh, all of these funds are p funds that people can deliberately say that I want to directly support the sharing of God's word. Someone from Wycliffe has translated it. We want to see it get to a place where it's hard to get. 
I'll say it in that language. And so we want to say, yes, we, we want to pay for the costs of printing it and distributing it so that those who do not have a Bible and live in Bible poverty have God's word in their own language and have it. Yes, they will have to hide it. They may not even have it on their phones. They may have it in other ways that we will have uh, given it to them. But we want to see that happen. So last year, Voice of the Martyrs globally uh, completed 6,000 projects, which included distribution of up to a million Bibles in various languages. And Voice of the Martyrs Australia, and I want to be clear, Voice of the Martyrs Australia is an Australian ministry. We were established in 1969 here in Australia. We have an Australian board of directors. We are an Australian ministry. That means we choose here in Australia which projects we partner with and how we do that. And that means we're not part of a branch of an overseas entity. It's a very clear and important distinction I want to make this morning. An example of, of sharing of Bibles and the distribution of these, uh, you can see those pictures there. That's a, um, I'll just say an Asian context. Incidentally, 40% of the persecuted believers in this planet are in Asia. Two and five. Another example of the work of Voice of the Martyrs, supporting the families of those who've been martyred, supporting them in practical needs. Uh, this is a story of a, a pastor from Uganda. I'm not going to read the whole thing out. Essentially, uh, he was ambushed, attacked, and killed. He had a wife, eight kids, uh, to us here in the West, that might seem like a bit of a, a hard work anomaly, but that may also just be our cultural differences. But his wife has been obviously without a pastor now and has eight kids. So Voice of the Martyrs are able to provide practical assistance, food, money to buy food, to supporting them and the children. And this situation indeed is typical to, sorry, four out of the five Christian martyrs on the planet occur in Africa every year. That was the research that Open Doors released last week. Four of the five of the martyrs of Christians are in Africa year on year. And so despite having the reputation of being a strong Christian nation, there, there is a lot of Islamic insurgents coming from the northern parts of Africa heading south. Uh, groups like Boko Haram, uh, even an Islamic Fulani militant, we, we hear about these stories on a regular basis. I want to briefly uh, mention Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia is a country 12% of the, of the population is reportedly Christian. And yet there is a very strong element of radical Islamic theology there as well. We all heard about the Bali bombings. Uh, many Australians would have heard of that because of our media coverage, and rightly so. But we don't hear about the continued bombings and the continued attacks that occur there. Uh, in 2018, an attack on a church at Surabaya. Some of you may know this story. Uh, the lady up there on the left, as you look, her name... Uh, I'll call her Fanny, and her little daughter Clarissa were attacked uh, as part of a bomb blast where children were used to detonate explosives as the worshippers were leaving church on a Sunday morning. And you can see that she's had to have reconstructive surgery, as has her daughter. Um, skin grafts and things like this. So this is part of Voice of the Martyrs Medical Fund in providing medical support, helping rebuild, believers rebuild their lives after an attack. So that was a photo taken early 2018. This is Fanny taking... Uh, literally November last year, so three months ago. And you can see here now, um, she still has some surgeries to go, although you don't see that. But she's had many surgeries and is continuing uh, her process of recovery. And we praise God for that. Her daughter also wishes uh, to become a doctor. 
to help other believers in their recovery as well. This is the story of an Indonesian pastor. Uh, he was attacked coming home riding on his motorcycle. Uh, a gentleman with a machete thought he would make a good target as he was driving by or riding by. And in an amazing story of faith, he said that when he stood, got off the bike and he stood up to curl out and he couldn't call out because his jaw was uh, injured, um, he realized what had happened. But his, his faith is this, and he says, he says this, and I have to quote him. He says, I praise God for this because God has now given me the biggest smile in all of Indonesia to praise his name with. What faithfulness and encouragement. I want to implore you for one thing today. Um, there's a couple of uh, sign-up sheets floating around the front of the churches here. And I'd ask for people to sign up for our prayer newsletter. Uh, there's also an opportunity after the service to come down and sign up for the Wycliffe uh, prayer newsletter of Ian and Sue as well, and I encourage you to do that as well. But the number one request that we have from the people who we partner with is pray for us. Pray for us that we will continue to be faithful to Christ. Pray for us to be bold in sharing the gospel, not just sharing the gospel with those who are going to be receptive, but to those who are doing the persecuting. Could you imagine that? A prayer meeting happening in Afghanistan right now, and it may literally be one person praying in a cave. But God, open up the eyes of the Taliban that they may see the Lord Jesus in the same way Paul on the road to Damascus saw him and met with him, and Paul said, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus that you are persecuting. Do we have the audacity to pray such bold prayers as that? And to join with them in praying that, that we see things like the communist world, what is happening in China, overthrown, and seeing people in power and authority come to Christ. That was Richard Wormbrand's vision, that the communism of Russia that took his home country, Romania, by force would end. And he lived to see that happen through raising a prayer network of believers globally. Same God, same faithful people. All things are possible through prayer. So I want to encourage you, sign up for our prayer newsletter. We won't bombard you. You will get an email once a week, or if you want to do an app, we have an app that has the same thing come through once a week on a push notification. If you want to donate with us, uh, if you want to partner with us financially, there are ways in which you can do that. Uh, something as simple as $5 can buy a Bible, a cup of coffee. It can pay for the printing of a scripture. In some places we have field workers, a motorbike can mean that they can travel over uh, greater distances in a much shorter time. $1,500 can pay for all the wheels of Asia, as it's commonly called, the little Honda step through. But there are many ways in which you can partner with us. I want to just uh, put one of those things there today before I finish up. Uh, this year, Bibles Plus, we're putting a simple campaign. We want to, yes, give Bibles to people and get them into places where they're not allowed. But we want to do more than that. We want to provide for people blankets, rice, oil, cooking utensils. And there's some images there of what we did uh, in our Bibles Plus campaign last year. Um, so this year, we would love to be able to reach uh, a, a number of people Last year we did 7,900. This year we want to hit 10,000, providing kits like that in places like Pakistan, the Philippines, India, Indonesia, Myanmar, Syria, Sudan, and Lebanon. Um, for $40, you can purchase a Bibles Plus pack to provide support to a believing family. 
This Tuesday night, for those who want to jump online with us, we have a Zoom meeting. Uh, it's a Zoom prayer meeting. Uh, we have our Middle Eastern worker from uh, a very, very uh, persecuted context joining us through an encrypted channel. Uh, and we're going to have a, a, an online prayer meeting. So if you would like to hear more about what we're doing in places like Iraq uh, and other spaces very close to there, uh, you are invited to join with us on Zoom this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, feel free to give me your details today and I'll make sure that we get the link to you. Uh, and we're happy to pray with you. I want to thank you so much for your time this morning. And I want to thank you uh, for the opportunity again, Pastor Mark, to come and share a little from God's Word and a little about Voice of the Martyrs. And I'm happy to uh, put this to you today that Voice of the Martyrs wants to continue to partner with churches and individuals towards seeing persecuted Christians being remembered, supported, and restored. And I can't think of a greater thing that we can do. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church. 